Greetings. Thank you for joining NCA Podcast. We're very glad that you are here. And today our guest is Bishop Mark O'Connell from the Archdiocese of Boston. How are you, Bishop? I'm great. Thanks, Kathy. It's nice to be with you. Well, we are grateful to have you. And full disclosure, Bishop and I recorded a great podcast (laughs) for Pentecost, but somehow we didn't really record it. We just had the conversation without the recording. So we have come back together. And I thank you for being patient with my technical difficulties so that we could talk again. Well, I was going to say it's nice to be here again, but then I didn't know you were going to explain that. So now that we're, (laughs) we're, we're fully disclosed, it's nice to be with you again, Kathy. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Bishop. I appreciate that. So, so um, Bishop, could you tell your vocation story? Because I think people always like to hear, how do people become priests? How, when do they hear that tap on the shoulder from God? Or with, when do they feel it? Or did somebody else tap them before they knew that God was tapping them? Well, my vocation story is, um, uh, I fully believe uh, with all my heart, that I was called from my mother's womb. I mean, I, I, I'm, I was created to be a priest. And therefore, uh, I didn't have to have this big uh, uh, revelation or conversion or anything. Everything I did in my childhood, growing up in a very Catholic family, uh, everything I did led me to that. And I can see in hindsight all sorts of little spots along the way where my vocation grew, my understanding of my vocation grew. But the, the climax of my vocation was uh, very subtle. It was my, my 18th birthday, so I was young, and uh, I was trying to pick a major. I was entering Boston College, and I the thought was twofold. First thought, uh, I wish God would, I mean, it would be easy if God would call me to be a priest. I'd like to do that. But God hasn't called me. Second thought, maybe this thought is a call. (laughs) So it's very subtle. Um, Moving from, I, I really would like to be a priest and then to I maybe this is a call I found out recently that uh, and I'm paraphrasing someone who's paraphrasing but that uh, he said that John Paul II prayed that even if I'm not called please give me the call which I like that yeah I, I think that's kind of cool but I was I was hoping that there was a call I started living my life from that day forward as if I was called, and I never stopped. I've been a priest for 31 years. That that's that's a wonderful story. I love that story. And um, when um, I w- had the pleasure of being at your ordination, and I've told you before that your your talk, your homily after you um, became a bishop is still with me. And um, the one thing that really is with me is that the line where you say something, and I will paraphrase, but something to the effect that um, people, young people especially, are searching for something 
and the hole in their heart is some place that only Jesus can fill. And, and that, those words will always remain with me. And I think that in Catholic schools, we, we have people searching for that. We have people searching for something and they don't realize that it's Jesus that they're searching for, that he can provide what they're, they're seeking. Can you talk about that? What made you say that at that moment? How, how does that come about and how does that play in your ministry today? Well, um, it's nice you remembered that particular line. I, uh, someone close to me remembered it also as a, that's the only thing that didn't make sense to her. <laughs> From my, you're talking about my ordination to when I was a bishop. Uh, yes. And you have this, this moment in time where you can address the world and the church after you get ordained a bishop. They, they give you a, uh, a, a time to talk. And um, so I find times like that are extremely important. And of the people I wanted to touch most um, in that talk were the people that are not with us, were the especially young adults that are not with us. And um, so I, I talked about uh, some of the issues um, that our young people struggle with. But uh, I, I wanted to them to hear from me if anyone was listening that they're born with a with with a craving for God and uh, it's only satisfied with God it's only satisfied fully in heaven and yet we try to fill it that craving that longing with so many other things in this world and uh, when the only thing that really um, can truly fill that gaping hole in our heart that we're born with is God. And so um, the subtle message is, so try us out. The not so subtle, subtle message is you're wasting your time with all these other things. <laughs> Just, you know, find God and you'll start feeling more fulfilled because that is what the whole is. That I guess that's my my thought pattern on that one. Oh, I think that's true. And really, you're talking about um, young adults who are disaffiliated from the church. And we have that with adults, too. And I, there's worry among some that it's grown during COVID. So yeah. do you think that it's grown during COVID? And if so, how do we reach out? How do Catholic school teachers reach out? Well, uh, separation... Um, Separation can do different things. So there are clearly some people in this world who found out that they not only craved God, they craved the Eucharist. And there was a great longing that they didn't know they had. So in some ways, COVID brought some people closer to the Lord. I totally believe that. But uh, clearly the separation, I really worry about young families. Uh, that's why, I mean, we're talking about Catholic schools. Catholic schools will keep the faith present in their lives, even if their families aren't going to, to Sunday Mass, and will plant seeds of proper thinking and of morality in their heart to give a foundation. But I worry about the, the families that 
stopped going. It stopped becoming part of their their Sunday routine, their Saturday evening routine, and uh, they haven't picked it up yet. So uh, I, I am absolutely worried. That's why um, your audience doesn't know, but you know that I think I did. Well, I know I did over sixty videos aimed at children. Yes. Uh, during COVID, to just keep them as many as I could uh, connected with the church. And uh, I stopped them now because we're back. But uh, this will be the first weekend in a long time that I won't do one. So, I, and I love them. <laughs> so I, I think I didn't, I know I didn't watch all of them, but I, I definitely watched most of them. And um, I, I did, I enjoyed them. And I think you should keep doing them because I think <laughs> we need them. Well, well yeah, teachers but, out there, you can go and you can get them and, and watch them and download them. So, well, I have a little YouTube uh, channel for that. But uh, uh, in Boston, our area, we the obligation to come to Sunday Mass is back. Mm -hmm. And the family Masses we have, uh, I will continue to give that type of talk, that type of homily. So it, it was uh, come back now. COVID is over for them, uh, for most of them, please God. But that doesn't mean I won't morph it into something else in the, in the future. Right. What, what's the next thing? I so, don't know. Yeah. You, well, you'll have to figure it out and you will. I Give hope it. so. Yeah. Well, will. God will tell me when it's time. That's exactly right. He will. So the Catholic schools do evangelize. I, I totally believe it with my whole heart. And, you know, in Boston, my last year there, I knew 154 people had been baptized at Easter through Catholic schools. They came to be baptized because of a relationship with the Catholic school, parents, grandparents, nieces, aunts, all different kinds of people. So 154 was a great number. I was ha happy with that because it kept growing every year. Part of that, I think, is because of reporting because people, oh, I should tell her that. So, you know, we got better numbers. And the other thing is, I think people started to realize if I'm collecting that data, what are we doing to make that happen? So how do you think Catholic schools can make that happen? How we can introduce families and, and open the door to the church? Well, um, I'm a product of Catholic school, uh, kindergarten through six. Then I went to public school. Then I went to Catholic college. But kindergarten through six, I was uh, I was a student in a Catholic school, not in this country. I was in Toronto, Canada, and so the difference is the government was paying for it. So Catholic schools, you know, the cost is something in 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 the United States. But nevertheless, uh, the the that Catholic school, even though I'm from a Catholic family, that Catholic school gave me many lessons and things that I learned to this day. And um, one of the things that I think is very important for Catholic schools is connection to priests and sisters. Mm -hmm. We don't have the sisters that we used to have, but nevertheless, they still exist. They should be invited in. And um, I, uh, in, in our first rendition of this, uh, of this podcast that was destroyed, uh, probably because I screwed it up. But no, it was me. <laughs> but nevertheless, I talked about how much it meant to me when this newly ordained priest came to our second grade class. I, I, I can remember it to this day. 
I was, uh, uh, I, I saw this priest come into the class and my teacher, Mrs. Christensen, good name for a Catholic school teacher. Very good name. Yeah, Mrs. Christensen, she prepared us for it. Now that you have a special thing here, he's, he's a new priest, he'll give you a blessing. It's special for a new priest to give blessings. I mean, it was just how she, I remember this as a second grader. And then we prepared, we had this kind of shrine slash little altar type area in our second grade class. I don't know what it was, but we would, when we pray, we would, this would, it was probably a picture of Mary or something. Anyway, uh, I was assigned by that teacher to show the new priest our little shrine, which I did very, very proudly. I don't know. I just remember. But then we had masses that we went to and the priest would speak just to us. And uh, we would, uh, I mean, we were taught um, what I would call now ethics, but we were, we were, we were taught moral things in class that, that, that I, uh, I assumed and in into my brain. And I think the evangelization of of just grounding our children in the faith is extremely important and extremely important that Catholic schools are truly Catholic, you know? I think you're right. And I always say sometime when they are in need, that Hail Mary is just going to come to mind. Or the, yeah. And again, and then that may be the gateway back, the steps back. But I, I do believe that you're right, because what we practice becomes part of them, even if they don't know it. But they will turn to that. Well, we... and, and I can confirm that hearing confessions. I mean, I don't uh, break any seals, so you don't know who I'm talking about. Right. But I could say there's a pattern of people who, uh, who are seeking a jump of faith, coming to confession. And they speak about, I used to do this and I used to do that. And often they say, I went to Catholic school and, you know, and, and it, as if that was the time in my life that I was a faithful Catholic and I, I, I'm sorry that it's no longer. They mention that as uh, when they think back about the good Catholic things in their life that they miss. And yet they go away. Yeah. But, but they're still there. Yeah. They're still there, and they will. They still turn to those, and and that I I truly believe that that's true. That it it's there. That foundation's there. It won't go away. And when they need it, they can draw upon it. And that that's an important role for Catholic educators, religious ed to play, so that children do do have a foundation for that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, Bishop, you are a teacher because you're a bishop. That automatically makes you a teacher. Sure. So I have a question. I have two questions for you. The right. first is, what is the best lesson you've ever taught? The best what? Lesson you've ever taught. You teach a lesson every week but with your sermon, your homily. What's the best lesson you've ever taught? Or maybe it wasn't a homily. Maybe it was something. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, you know, um, they say St. John um, uh, preached uh, the um, my little children love one another in every single homily when, when he was an old man. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think I preach God loves you in, in some way in every single homily. <laughs> I think that's a lesson people 
forget. I, I at some point when um, I just take the gospel and I pray over it and I work it and then I um, I try to turn it into what does this mean for you today? And um, along the way, I, I continuously say uh, that God loves you. And, and one of the lines that uh, I like to, like to preach is that um, God doesn't love who you should be or who you will be one day when you get your act together or um, who you uh, hope to be. Uh, God loves you as you are now, and and um, yearns for the day that you want to be closer, um, and and guides you in that direction. But some people um, think, okay, I'll be a person of prayer when I get the time, and then I'll be good. <laughs> but you know what? Absolutely. Right now is when God loves you, and uh, as you are with your sins and with your goodness and and just and just is uh leads you in the right path if you love it's that's a very good lesson to learn so here what's the best lesson you've learned from someone else best lesson i've learned from someone else that's hmm. this uh i probably prepared these questions before the first one but <laughs> no these are new questions oh they're new questions uh, you know, I have uh, I have to go to my parents. Uh, uh, the faithfulness, the steadiness, the uh, the um, the attitude that they expected an awful lot from me, but um, just appreciated when I was trying. I mean, the lessons of a parent, uh, especially when you have you're lucky enough to have. Not everyone has good and healthy Catholic parents or, or whatever faith they are. But uh, the best lessons I had were the example of my parents, without a doubt. That that's wonderful. So, are your parents still living? My my parents have both gone to God. They lived good lives. Both of them came very close. They're five years apart, but they both came very close to living to ninety-two. So, I'm hoping to live to ninety-two to beat both of them. <laughs> that, that seems reasonable. That seems my mother was two days shy. Yeah. Oh, that, that was very close. Uh, uh, you know, we're talking about our mothers now, but I remember when uh, my sister and I and a, do and a nurse met with my mother just to, essentially to tell her, okay, it's time, Mom, you're going to die. And so the nurse comes out and she says, uh, so Margaret, uh, if this keeps up, you're going to die. And my mother said, yes, and so are you. <laughs> <laughs> She was totally ready for death. And so it was okay. God. Yeah. Yes. So, so I hope to be, I hope to follow in that example. I hope I didn't go morbid on you, but no. I just, I'm so lucky to have good parents. Yeah, we absolutely. It, it makes all the difference in the world. So um, I have one more question for you. So if schools are meeting their, the responsibility of evangelization, and it's a privilege as well as a responsibility, what does that look like? What does a, uh, a healthy school look like? Yes, when they're meeting the, their responsibility to evangelize. Ah, I see. Uh, well, uh, I would say it, it looks like um, they know their basic prayers. They're not ashamed of their faith. 
and they know, uh, especially as they grow into the uh, into the teen years, that they know that it's not about them. It's about God. It's about serving others. I was talking to a woman the other day, and she said, "My faith is like uh, um, believing in in, in um, Christmas." I used to think that Christmas was all about me, and then I realized it was all about Jesus. And I grew up like that, and then I realized that my faith was all about me, and it needs to be all about others. And I think that our Catholic schools need to bring those children into the transition of it. It's not all about me. It's all about serving others. That's what our faith is about. And... Uh, and so a healthy school, to me, leads them in all the basic, but also pushes them out to evangelize and to, to do good in the world. That, that, that's excellent, Bishop. And I think that Catholic schools like that kind of definition because it's one they can fully understand and also one that challenges them while gives them hope that they can meet that. And and that that's a good kind of standard, so to speak. So one that challenges, but one that we can attain. So and I think we have a lot of Catholic schools that are doing doing just that. I um, love going to the Catholic schools. I like um, I like giving my students, you know, when it's dull in the class and they, and they they're like, you have to wake them up a bit. I give them a, a, a little quiz. You want to want to do the quiz? Okay, even though I'm worried, yes. <laughs> okay, I say, uh, do you like uh, uh, grammar? And they go, oh, I don't know. So I say, is which is more correct? Two and two is three or two and two are three? And I, I, I always get some kid to say, is I say, is what? Three. I say, no, it's four. <laughs> I love giving that little quiz to classes. Uh, anyway, I also like going into kindergarten as a priest, because in kindergarten, they usually have the names on the fronts of the desk. Yes. And I love saying, I bet I could guess your name. <laughs> it's a great joy to go into classes. It, it is. And some child in the room knows exactly what you're doing, but most exactly. of them do not. <laughs> that's right. They usually get called out eventually. Exactly. But that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, Bishop, thank you for your time again. All right. <laughs> and, and I see the little recording button up in the corner. So this all should have worked. And um, of course, the, the recording button was on last time. And it didn't work. But we're, we're hopeful that it will. And I really do thank you for your time and for your service to the church because we need you. And we're grateful that you took the time to talk about evangelization with our teachers. Well, we need you to, to thank you, Kathy. And thanks for all the good work you do. Thank you. So thank you for joining NCA podcast. And we hope that you'll be with us again next time. Mm -hmm.